Blessed be the name of the Lord our God, who redeems us from sin and death. Let us pray. Merciful God, you gave your Son to suffer the shame of the cross. Save us from hardness of heart, that seeing him who died for us, we might repent, confess our sin, and receive your overflowing love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty God, look with mercy on your family for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and to be given over to the hands of sinners and to suffer death on the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful God, you gave your son to suffer the shame of the cross. Save us from hardness of heart that, seeing him who died for us, we may repent, confess our sin, and receive your overflowing love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> the first reading is Isaiah 52, 13 to 53, 12. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, 
so marred was his appearance beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of mortals. So he shall startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which had not been told them they shall see, and that which they had not heard they shall contemplate. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall, be, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him, the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he saw he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Good Friday is the most uncomfortable of Christian holidays. It isn't the strangest story. This part of our collective history in which a man is killed for telling the world we're doing it all wrong, that is a pretty easy narrative to believe. Unlike the unusual story we will celebrate on Sunday, a story of resurrection from death. But Easter, while a crazy story, is a hopeful remembrance. It's one that people want to remember. Good Friday is easier to believe at face value, but it is very uncomfortable. It makes us squirm. 
Tonight, we have to remember that humanity screwed up. We screwed up by buying into the charms of sin way back when everything began. And we screwed up by murdering the one sent to lead us back to God and to make us right with our Creator. And we screw up regularly by not paying heed to his words about love and compassion and justice and the redemption of the world. It is also on this night that we are forced to see the vulnerability that Jesus assumed for our sakes. It is on this night that we are also reminded of our own vulnerability. We don't want to be reminded of our vulnerability. It is unpleasant to be vulnerable. We have to remember tonight that Jesus was a mortal God and yet also very mortal human. And we don't like mortality. It is even more uncomfortable to be in that place which we, like the psalmist Jesus quotes on the cross, the psalmist that we will hear from in a few moments, to be in that place that is the depths of despair and vulnerability and mortality, and we struggle to see God there. There are days when I feel like just screaming Psalm 22 at the sky over and over all day. There are days when I think about what I do for a living and I wonder if I can still believe it all in the midst of this crumbling, mean world around us. There are days when I wish God would just let me pack it up and call it a wrap. But unlike me shouting Psalm 22 into the wind because I'm angry at God or wondering if God is even listening, Jesus doesn't quote Psalm 22 from the cross because he doubts God. Jesus says, my God, my God, because in that moment, he truly knows the human despair that spurred the psalmist and all the rest of humanity to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why don't you save me? I'm crying out and I can't find you. Here is the hope of Good Friday. In the darkest of despair, in the most vulnerable and lonely places, we can be assured that Jesus knows our pain. He knows our sorrow and our frustration. Sometimes we get so caught up in the sin and forgiveness aspect of Good Friday that we forget this very important piece. We are not just offered the hope that someday we'll be in a better place. But we are offered hope that today, right here, right now, in all the mire and the struggle of human life, Jesus knows exactly the pain that we are feeling. When the hope of a better place someday doesn't do much to dampen the pain of today, Jesus is right there in the trenches with us, feeling the same real pain and sorrow. We are never alone. It is in that moment of the greatest suffering and vulnerability 
that God is closest to us because of Jesus' despair on the cross. And it is in those moments of suffering and vulnerability that we are most able to understand God's presence. We are entering now into a time of lament, reading and singing Psalm 22 together. In this time, let us hold on to the presence of our God, so loving that God came here to earth as a vulnerable human like each and every one of us, subject to the same suffering and despair that we struggle with. And let us offer to him the burdens that we sit here with today, so that as we prepare ourselves for Sunday's celebration of life triumphing over death, we might be able to do so free of the weight that tonight rests on our shoulders. forsaken me? Why so far from saving me, so far from the word of my groaning? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are the Holy One, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors put their trust in you. They trusted, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not put to shame. But as for me, I am a worm and not human, scorned by all and despised by the people. All who see me laugh me to scorn. They curl their lips. They shake their heads. Trust in the Lord. Let the Lord deliver. Let God rescue him, if God so delights in him. Yet you are the one who drew me forth from the womb and kept me safe on my mother's breast. I have been entrusted to you ever since I was born. You were my God when I was still in my mother's womb. Be not far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many young bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their jaws at me, like a slashing and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart within my breast is melting wax. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And you have laid me in the dust of death. Packs of dogs close me in. A band of evildoers circles round me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones while they stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far away. 
O my help, hasten to my aid. Deliver me from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. From the horns of wild bulls you have rescued me. I will declare your name to my people. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Give praise. All you of Jacob's line, give glory. Stand in awe of the Lord, all you offspring of Israel. For the Lord does not despise nor abhor the poor in their poverty. Neither is the Lord's face hidden from them. But when they cry out, the Lord hears them. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Let those who seek the Lord give praise. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall bow before God. For dominion belongs to the Lord who rules over the nations. Indeed, all who sleep in the earth shall bow down in worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. Their descendants shall serve the Lord, whom they shall proclaim to generations to come. They shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, The Lord has acted. Our gospel reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 1, through chapter 19, verse 42. We will pause between sections of the reading for silent contemplation while the candles are extinguished one by one to represent the hour of Jesus' death growing closer. After the readings, we will sing the hymn, Were You There? And at the end of this hymn, we will depart in silence from the church, and we will continue our worship service on Easter morning, because the story does not end with Jesus' death. Hear now the word of the Lord. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, 
Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. It did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside of the booth. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because of his coal, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, Testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of, one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. 
one of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, the cock crowed. After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the castle. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. And Barabbas was a banner. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. 
And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you, and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a great sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Table, or in Hebrew, Zabatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. 
When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because the Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced.
After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Thank mm-hmm. you.